Welcome to Creative Mind Soul Sessions with Deborah Burnt Maldonado and Dr. Rob Maldonado, founders of Creative Mind. Explore personal growth with us through Jungian psychology, Eastern spirituality, and social neuroscience in a deep but practical way. Let's begin. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Soul Sessions, our weekly podcast. Yeah, today we're talking about meditation, visualization, and your favorite, and my favorite, hypnosis. And this is uh, part two of a six-part series on the psychology of life coaching, and we're so excited to uh, be here to give you this series think that it just i'm learning a lot just uh pulling your brain about uh some different methods of uh psychological methods that people use in therapy and in uh just uh, research and how people work with psychology and social media and business and also obviously coaching and we wanted to just kind of talk about a lot of people have done a lot of personal development and we're just kind of clarifying what method and what methodology you're using what philosophy you're using and and the differences between them and making sure you're using the method that is where you want to go yeah, one of my uh, teachers used to tell me there's only one subject, and that subject is the mind. Mm. So, yeah, there's a lot of different models, a lot of different ways to approach uh, the mind in mm. both therapy and coaching. Uh, but uh, like you were saying, in business, education, uh, social media, everyone needs to, to use some kind of psychological model. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some, even if they don't know it, mm-hmm. they're using a certain approach to the mind. Mm. Uh, So we wanted to talk about what are the models out there? Uh, What did they imply? Mm -hmm. What are their strengths and what are their limitations? Mm -hmm. And uh, I love talking about hypnosis today because this is really where, well, not really where I got started. I started doing energy work. I was actually went to massage school uh, initially. I was really at that, I was in a corporate job and I was trying to, I wanted to help people and I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I went to massage school and then one of the classes in massage school, we had to do energy work and I loved it. I felt so like intuitive Mm. and I was feeling like I'm working with a deeper part of a person than just their physical like muscles being stretched. And uh, and that's when I started like taking dabbling into um, the idea of energy work and the chakras and what that is. And then um, and then I just still felt like I didn't have um, the psychology around it. Like I wanted to work with what is the mind. And when I went to my intro to the hypnotherapy class, the guy was showing me the conscious and the unconscious. And I said, oh, now I get what I'm doing with the energy. And, and it just kind of gave me a deeper uh, understanding. And then um, I did, you know, hypnosis for a couple of years, uh, well, t- about two years, and then I met you. And then you introduced me to Jungian psychology. And, and then I was and like, oh, running, my God. This the is running like joke t- is that uh, I let her hypnotize me. <laughs> and I've never been the same since. So, so um, you're, if you're like me, you kind of are exploring your, you know, your spirituality, yeah. your the mind, um, and, you know, being introduced to all these methods, and, and mm. you're probably wondering how they all fit together. So that's what this series is about, is helping us but um what i love about hypnosis is not the um you know i love uh, it's very powerful there's a lot of research in uh, there's a whole division in the psychological association around hypnosis and so i want to talk start with and then we're going to talk about visualization and meditation but um let's start with hypnosis in freud and he yeah. is the one who really brought it to the there was people dabbling in it but Freud really started to explore it in a deeper way, in a more scientific way. Right. So, uh, turn of the century, 1900, Freud puts out his famous, now famous book. At that time, it only sold like a thousand copies or so. <laughs> but uh, The Interpretation of Dreams. Mm. And if you went to Freud at that time and you sought out his services, uh, hypnosis was one of the, the big ways he worked with his patients. Mm. Hypnosis was the rage at that time. It was <laughs> it was big in, in all of Europe and in the Americas. Um, and uh, 
by and by, the way as he developed his psychoanalytic theory, he dropped uh, hypnosis as uh, as a way of working. And a lot of there's there's different ideas as to why he dropped it. But if you if you look at his career overall, I would say he dropped it because he was trying to develop something original. And, uh, and hypnosis was already yeah. kind of associated with other people like Charcot mm. and in and Paris and those kind of uh, people. So he wanted to, to put his stamp on mm. something new, and rightly so. So he developed then this talking cure, mm. uh, which is you know his brand of psychotherapy. And actually that's very interesting because... Um, I want to talk about just hypnosis in general and what it is. It's actually, it's not, it's it's a technique, but mm. what it really is is a state of mind. It's an altered state that your mind goes into. Um, we're in, uh, a lot of times we're in, like I say, you're probably hypnotized right now. We're in a hypnotic state a lot during the day. We're, we're, um, we're you know, when we do repetitive tasks, right before we go to sleep and right before we wake up, there's this state called the hypnagogic state, um, and that is uh, this kind of transfer from like this waking state to sleep. And it's this kind of like when we daydream or when we uh, fantasize and um, or we're getting sleepy or when we get sucked into a movie or, or, or a book. Or you're listening to a podcast. Or you're listening to the <laughs> us. Yeah, so we're, we're in this state all the time. And, um, and so a lot of people are like, ooh, you know, I'm afraid of that state. But we are in that state. And here's the thing, you don't know what's going into your mind mm. and being absorbed by your mind when you're not aware that you're in that state. When you do it intentionally, you can actually work with that state to change your mind, to change, um, access the unconscious in a deeper way. So when we, the talking cure, he's actually using hypnosis, but he's not he is not calling it hypnosis because it, even in coaching, a lot of people don't realize that when you're working with a coach or a therapist or anyone one-on-one -on -one, and they're an authority figure, you're automatically suggestible to them. So when you go to a doctor and he says, you have six months to live, they, the studies show that because you believe the doctor and you mm. put that in, that you're going to believe what that person says. So think about the media, think about leaders, think about that kind of mass hypnosis that's you know goes on is like it, it's it's um it, it's something that's happening to all of us and we need to uh be able to use it in a way that's very powerful and when you work with a coach if a, if the coach is really um uh, trained well well trained and they they have that kind of um belief in you it's very powerful. Hmm. It's very powerful to have that coaching session, even if you don't feel like you did any visualization or you didn't do any kind of fancy technique, that when you talk to a coach and they're believing in you, they're helping you access uh, parts of your unconscious by asking questions, you're in that state and it's a very powerful uh, transformational state that you can go into without even formally like close your eyes and go deeper <laughs> there because of the authority they have. So you're, you're essentially saying that in, in any relaxed state where you're kind of passive, your mind is more suggestible. And so whatever information the mind absorbs during that passive suggestible state of mind mm -hmm. uh, will have a, a hypnotic impact on you yes and a lot of times too rep repetition if you hear something over and over and over again and we're hearing this in the popular news people believing <laughs> things that aren't true uh so it's that kind of idea that if you hear something over and over again you start to believe, you start it. To believe it and so imagine if you could do it in a way that things you want to believe uh like your your grade and your that, that's why those um you know, when I used to do the hypnosis, I called them tapes back then because actually that's how long ago I'd been doing this. I'd had cassette tapes and I would give it to the client and they would listen to you're good enough, you're powerful, you're mm -hmm. doing well. And so it's a really powerful tool to help affect change in someone's life. It can be used for good or for it can bad. be used for good. And then but the thing is, most of us, when we're kids, we're very suggestible because our parents and the people around us are giving us information and we, we don't doubt it. We, we just let it in. 
And then when we get older, we start hardening our beliefs, and so it's hard for us to change. And we get that midlife crisis where we're, we believed all these things, and that's where individuation comes in. Is that we decide, do I, you know, I feel mm. stuck in this belief system, and that's how we we evolve. Now, when I learned hypnosis, it was about reprogramming that that belief system, which is a good first step. But you're not really free of the ego. You're just making the ego mm. believe something else. And in a true hypnotic state, you're relaxing the ego. The ego, its we call it the critical mind, where you're relaxing the ego so that we can bring up things from the unconscious, symbols from dreams, from a deeper wisdom within us, and also change, um, you know, kind of uh, change the way we feel about ourselves mm. and um, what's possible for us. Can and I ask you something? Sure. Okay, so uh, I know there's a lot of misconceptions out there. People mm -hmm. believe all kinds of weird things about <laughs> hypnosis because yeah. of popular culture, mm -hmm. and then you see the, like, the hypnotist up on stage doing, pe turning people into chickens <laughs> yes. and stuff like that. So what are some of the, let's say, give us three big misconceptions that you know are not true from studying hypnosis formally? Uh, one is that you can't get stuck in hypnosis. You mm. know, they, they have the movies. Uh, the very famous one is Office Space. Oh, right, Remember, right. he went to the hypnotist, he dies, and then the guy is, like, stuck in this trance. <laughs> you can't get stuck in a trance. It's... Um, it's your mind goes in and out your brain waves change and fluctuate throughout the day so you're not mm. like ever stuck in it uh there's deeper states um there is only about 10 percent of the population that's highly suggestible Got it. which can relate to you know a lot of things that we see out there um so how the stage hypnotism works is that if there's 100 people in the audience they do all these tests with the audience like as a group and then he picks out the people that are picking it up right away and then he put, brings them up on stage and then they agree to be on stage so they oh. have to agree to it and so there's all these like uh barriers and then they are able so they're self-selecting the the people that are highly suggestible yes. and then the, the hypnotist is saying okay like if bark you're like a dog and fall over and all those right things. right but the mind is so we, we our unconscious mind is very powerful and open to suggestions so we do have to uh you know, uh, know ourselves well, so we're not in our own trance all the time. Another, mm. um, so not every, not everyone can, not be, everyone can be hypnotized. Is that well, right? everyone can be, everyone can enter the state, mm. but not everyone goes to that stage. Hypno like mm. you can't hypnot, like get people into that deep state. Uh, everyone, only, you know, only about, ten, uh, only 10%. about ten percent are Got really, it. really suggestible. Um, another. Uh, idea is that you're fogged out this is the third mm. one is that you're you're in a fog when you're in a hypnotic state that you're like you know foggy and like a shut your mind is shut down and you're just kind of um i don't know date walk sleepwalking basically but actually in that hypnotic state it's a heightened state of awareness so imagine you're very like involved so think about this you have a coaching session with someone and you're you're everything else goes away and you're just really kind of you and the coach are really working together and it's a very focused experience and so it's very very powerful um when you watch a movie you get engulfed in the movie how many times have you watched a movie and your like leg falls asleep or you get caught up in what's happening you're highly focused and so when i used to do uh hypnotherapy sessions a lot of people would say i didn't feel like i went went mm. under you know I, like hit like amnesia or uh what's that called not amnesia what's that called uh when they put you under um, anesthesia, anesthesia, yeah, it's like this, like anesthesia, where you're just going to forget everything. Uh, no, it's actually you're very, very present, and so you feel relaxed, but you're very awake. You're very, mm -hmm. very focused, and actually, it's a beautiful state of mind for meditation and for um, holding the mind. Are you looking for a satisfying career that has meaning and purpose? Are you seeking a path of growth and wish you can have it all in one program? Well, our Jungian Life Coach program does just that. It gives you a new career as a certified life coach, as well as take you through our Jungian methodology to help you become your true self and make amazing transformation in your life and the lives of others. 
So visit youngandlifecoach.com, click on apply, and speak to an enrollment coach today where you can discuss your future, your dreams, and how to make it happen as a Youngin Life Coach. New classes begin soon, so sign up today. Now, uh, I know it's a big part of uh, what's called now the mind-body connection Mm -hmm. uh, because it's a way to kind of access physiological unconscious states of mind mm-hmm. through hypnosis mm-hmm. um what do you, how do you see its potential moving forward uh you know are we able to to affect uh because i know in the history uh milton erickson mm-hmm. was the one that took up uh, the mantle after freud yeah and really developed hypnosis as a as a scientific way of working mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he was really brilliant in his way. What he talked about, um, you he, know, he was an, into medical hypnosis. Yeah. So, I know you have a little bit of experience or a lot of experience with that. What is? What are the limits? I mean, can you really help somebody with chronic pain or childbirth, like yeah. uh, in those, those kind of situations? My very first client as a hypnotherapist. Talk about pressure. She was pregnant with twins. And she came to me for childbirth hypnosis. Mm. And not only that, they're supposed to be building, uh, we're supposed to be building the sessions at three months before birth. Mm. And she was had like 30 days. And so I was, the pressure was on for me to get all six sessions in. Uh, and I didn't, I've never done it before. So I had like a little script step by step. And so I would read to her the script and and record it and she would practice and um by the but she didn't get her fifth last session because she had her babies early and she told me i had did not use anesthesia i didn't use any i didn't get an epidural she said it definitely wasn't like super comfortable but it was not Mm. something i couldn't handle and i was like wow this is really cool that this works and you know my dad was um uh, diagnosed with the leukemia and he went through chemo and it was really bad and then the second round I told him I said let me do some of this hypnosis on you and uh, he went through it without any uh, side effects and he was eating and, and he went into remission so it very 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 powerful um, to help someone with pain management with uh, and you don't want to use it to promise to heal disease but you can have suggestions for uh, someone like my father saying, going, you know, that you're, you're, you're healing and that suggestion, mm. just like the doctor says you have six months to live. Um, he could also say you can make it, you know, and that can right. um, actually another really interesting uh, when I was doing my training, they did, uh, they would train um, emergency technicians in hypnosis. And they call it like when you show up at, at the, um, at the, uh, the you know the, the trauma and the person's like in an accident or something when they the the mind of the rescue worker if they believed the person would live they would live and if they believed the person wasn't going to make it uh, they, they weren't going to make it and so they trained the these these workers to see the possibility and also not speak because that person also when you're in a hypnotic state when you're in a heightened emotional mm-hmm. state so um so if you're in like having like an accident you're highly suggestible that's why uh childbirth in the hospitals is really hard because there's all the 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 machines and everyone around is saying it this is gonna hurt <laughs> and so there's a lot of uh suggestibility yeah. and you're in the hospital so <laughs> and so you're they're training the the yeah. rescue workers to say you know you're gonna make it you know, mm. you're going to make it, uh, you're feeling good. And like, just even suggestions of, you know, the pain's going to be going away and you're, we're going to take care of you and all that make is powerful. Um, so uh, think about the impact for coaching, though, is that having someone who understands how the mind works and to be responsible with the client and what they speak to the client is very powerful because the client looks to this coach as an authority figure. And so it's a very powerful exchange, just like any teacher-student. Um, you know, we've uh, seen yeah. studies with the teachers and how they project onto the students. And so there's this kind of uh, unconscious communication that's going on with people. Absolutely. Now, I'm very interested in, in hypnosis as, uh, as a tool for working with people that have uh, autoimmune disorders, mm. uh, which is 
really a mind-body question mm -hmm. because modern medicine or let's say scientific medicine doesn't know how to work with those uh, mm -hmm. problems a lot of times they can't find any physiological causes mm -hmm. for for these disorders and so they they tell the patient well just you know go deal with it yeah deal with deal it with somehow. The well they what they do is they treat the symptoms in the medical model mostly yeah. mostly then, yeah. yeah and they look at the physical and they just and maybe they say maybe reduce your stress i think that's like the main thing they they yeah. tell the client eat healthier i don't even know if they say eat healthier but um i think that um I, you know i did a lot of work with people it, it wasn't autoimmune but uh people who had ibs mm. which is irritable bowel syndrome and um they uh you know again that's another one where people say oh there's no we don't know what's how why people have this and i had such great experiences with uh using the suggestions for people to um have talk to their body and have it uh go back to normal and back to balance so it, and they they found that hypnotherapy actually works really well for those kind of diseases so i've ne i haven't worked personally with uh, autoimmune uh but i know that it's effective on all these mystery <laughs> diseases that the medical model or, or systems yeah. that the medical model um can't address or can't find a solution for yeah and just to be clear we we're not teaching um, uh, medical hypnosis at this point no. we've been thinking about the the prospects yeah um so what is the difference what what difference is there be, would you say between visualization and hypnosis well hypnosis is the state <laughs> and visualization is what you do in that state so when you anytime you visualize so if i, I let's practice this right now just picture your the favorite person in the world your mm. favorite person in the world picture them in your mind when you picture that in your mind you're you're going starting to go into a state when you close your eyes and picture them you go into a deeper state and it's just your brain, when you close your eyes, actually relaxes more. It's just programmed that way. So um, so you can go into that state. But then what mm. do you do with that state? You Are you going to visualize your worst fears? Are you going to think about your bank account going bankrupt? Or are you going to think about your bank, bank account exceeding, um, you know, overflowing? Are you going to uh, visualize yourself... Uh, heartbroken and single at the end of your life or in love so you can direct the mind so visualization helps you use that altered state to direct the mind yeah i mean uh, from the neurological or neuropsychological point of view we're always using uh, uh, visualization mm -hmm. because we we essentially that's the way we construct our reality we think in pictures we think in pictures but if we ask, well, what's going on in the brain when we perceive the world? We're perceiving our uh, a visualization in our in our mind, in our brain, uh, not the external. Although mm. it appears that we are looking out and and just observing an external static reality. Mm -hmm. In essence, the brain is very active, putting all that information together and creating this uh, kind of virtual experience mm -hmm. for us mm -hmm. but it's really a mental experience that we're going through and so, so when you're so visualizing you're you're creating just a different mental experience and you think it's imagination because it doesn't match the external yet is that it yeah, well it, it, it let's say if we say if we understand that there's this principle of the the mind the imagination creating our reality then if we don't direct it it's simply going to use uh, passive information from mm -hmm. our past experience mm -hmm. to construct that reality. Mm -hmm. Whereas when we actively use visualization, we're directing that part of the of the mind, the 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 mind's eye, the imagination, to to bend reality mm -hmm. in a sense. Yeah. So when people talk about bending reality that would be what's what's happening psychologically mm -hmm. is that they're actually working with that internal representation of reality uh understanding that oh my mind is the one that's creating it mm. it's not necessarily coming from the outside and so the altered state as well is um a, a way to do that too is the coach and the client the coach is holding the vision of the client um 
because she's already attained that or he has already attained that goal or mm. uh, he could see the possibility. It actually helps like almost that person in that altered state create the image because they're giving this is like kind of a sinking of the mind. So a lot of times, when, well, almost all the time when I do coaching session, well, I think all the time I do coaching sessions, I'm always seeing my client in it, her potential or his potential. And uh, it's like kind of a, they call it the download, but it's not really a download. It's just your mind. It's like almost like that unconscious because we're always speaking to each other and mm -hmm. connecting unconsciously that you're getting that on some level that transformation and that's why i think it's so powerful people think oh it's we're just talking and i'm asking my coach questions you don't know that exchange uh is a very powerful mystical experience that you have every time you have a coaching session that's why we always encourage one-on-one -on -one sessions because a lot of people um they want to do self-help on their own they want to read books and they mm. want to do their own little worksheets or be in groups but having that one-on-one, -on -one, you're, you're, it's like a, such a powerful exchange that you miss out if you don't have that. And that's why it's more expensive to work with someone one-on-one -on -one because it is, um, it takes time for someone who's really talented and good at coaching to, they're going to charge more because they know they can give you those results. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we know from social neuroscience, and this is where the social neuroscience comes into our, to our work, is that our minds tend to synchronize mm -hmm. with the people that we pay atten attention to. Yes. So if we're paying attention to people that trigger us or that are, let's say their mindset is not in possibility, yes. uh, like in work situations where mm -hmm. everybody's stressed or, or thinking at a very low level, mm -hmm. our minds will tend to calibrate at that level mm -hmm. to the group standard. So when you when you work with a coach, when you work with like-minded people, you're and actually calibrating your mind at a higher rate, mm. at a higher level of functioning, because they're thinking in possibility. They're, mm. they're understanding higher principles of psychology, philosophy, how the mind works. Mm. So it's really important to understand those those things because often we we might be hanging out with people that are not beneficial to our goals. Well, you know, it's funny. A lot of people say that they, they're, you know, they're in, they're, they live in a different town they grew up in. They um, go home for the holidays and they said, I feel like I unwound everything I learned. You know, I, I feel like I regressed because mm. you go back to the, the, the parents and the triggers. And, and then the true progress is a lot of our clients say, oh, I went back and I wasn't triggered at all. And I, I got to see a little, for me, when I started to realize my patterns, I started to notice the things that used to trigger me. And I'm like, oh, that's why I do that. And that's why I do that. I'm watching my siblings or my mom or my dad, you know, how they act or how they respond to things. I'm like, oh, that's where I learned that because they're, they're seeing it and you don't get triggered anymore. Um, but but the average person, you know, they'll go home and they'll feel like I'm, I'm making so much progress. I'm, I'm this big executive in, in my company. And then I go home and they're still treating me like little Becky, you know, who's, you know, uh, fell on the bike and, and uh, can't get anything done or something. You know, it, it's that, uh, that regression that happens if we're around a different environment. So that's why it's really important yeah. to stay. I uh, just want to add the uh, visualization, just like hypnosis is has been verified by research yes and there's a lot of great research especially in sports psychology oh, yes because sports psychologists of course use it on uh athletes mm -hmm. who really need to perform at superhuman levels almost mm -hmm. uh, and they use uh visualization very effectively do you know here's some interesting facts tiger woods actually had since he was a little boy had a hypnotherapist work with him for visual visualizing uh michael jordan he would visualize every shot he would make at that game before every game he would visualize like all the shots he would mm. make and visualize himself doing it and then he would go and do it um so very very powerful uh visualization yeah and and of course in coaching and life coaching we use visualization to create the possibility first of all in our mind of mm. uh, success of uh, changing our relationship patterns, uh, creating new businesses, on mm -hmm. and on, right? It's just endless uh, how we can use visualization 
in in coaching. Um, but let's go on to meditation. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that too because I think that's really important. Um, see a lot of people, especially when I was doing hypnosis, a lot of people focus on what is, uh, you know, in the session, you know, mm. I'm going to do my little tape, and then I'm going to go through the day and then just be lazy and not focus <laughs> on anything and then go back at the end of the night, listen to my little tape. And so this idea of like, um, what happens all during the day, mm. uh, I see meditation as a way to help us really work with the mind and discipline the mind where that's where we're not falling into falling asleep uh, listening right. to like groups that are telling us things that aren't true or that we're sucked into fear um, or uh, you know like uh, at the office everyone's complaining about the boss and we're kind of sucked into that realm meditation is a really great way to discipline the mind uh, to help us focus on what we mm. want to create. So, so you it's more like a focusing. That's a good point. So you don't have to necessarily avoid those situations, but you're strengthening your your resolve to to hold that mindset of possibility, even when you're exposed to uh, negative uh, situations or uh, gossip or, mm -hmm. or complaining, those kind of things. And so the three levels of functions of meditation are attentional regulation. So it's where it's think of your mind as a flashlight and wherever it's focused is going to just you're going to see and it's going to feel more real and then you move it away. And so it's you could you know, quite simply focus on how something can work or how it can't work, uh, how this person's good or they're bad. Uh, are are you going to be successful or are you going to be a failure? And so, and then you're going to see through that lens. And so that kind of understanding how to use meditation to practice that focus and help you stay aligned yeah. uh, will help you direct your, your mind. Because the mind is, it's like a monkey. It's just like all over the place. It's always moving. We're in and out of trance. And so the meditation, practicing meditation, which we teach our coaches and have them teach their, their clients, to how do we hold the mind and how do we discipline the mind? Yeah, um, Richard Davidson uh, at the University of Wisconsin, my uh, alma mater, uh, has been doing some really great research with some of the uh, monks from the Dalai Lama group. Oh, yeah. So they're finding that uh, there are kind of uh, categories of meditation. Because we know there are there are a lot of different approaches to the mind, including in meditation. But there are some general principles that they all follow. Uh, mm. One of them, like you were saying, is is how to focus the attention. Mm. You know, how do I get my mind to stay focused on a certain topic? It can be an internal mm. idea mm. or an external object. Mm -hmm. And if you've ever tried to concentrate, you know it's difficult. Mm. But you can actually train your mind to be a better, uh, to, to follow your directions a better way, to, to stay focused on what you need to accomplish. So a lot of people will focus on the breath. That would be a good way to yeah. start is just... You're just being with yourself and you're just focused on your breathing in and out. And, and you'll notice that after three or four breaths, your mind is like, oh, oh. <laughs> what am I having <laughs> for lunch? Put it back to your breath. Yeah. And I've been in those, those um, you know, Buddhist centers and centers and, and I'm sitting there meditating and then my mind is drifting. And then the teacher will be like, refocus your mind. And you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and so we, we have to train ourselves to do that. Yeah, another one of the, the different types of approaches is uh, the self-inquiry group. Mm, mm. Now, this is where you're actually using meditation to ask a question, but mm. not, about, not so much about the external, but mm. what's going on within you. Mm. Uh, for example, who am I? What is the nature of myself, mm. my self-concept? And those are very powerful meditation techniques because they're you're actually deconstructing your self-concepts. Mm. You're, 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 of course, you, you need a coach for this or mm. you need somebody to help you or, or to train you at least in, in the beginning. But it, it is about understanding the nature of your mind. Mm. And for me, the, the, one of the most important uh, lessons is this that you are not your thoughts. Mm -hmm. When you're caught up and you 
you believe your thinking. You believe that every thought I have is telling me something true about reality or mm. myself. Uh, you're caught up uh, in conditioning and mm. past experiences in in that group think that we were yeah. talking about. Well, even uh, like I was saying as a hypnotherapist, it was like re, re, even making the thoughts positive, you're still caught up. Mm -hmm. You're still identifying that I am good enough. I'm not good enough. I am good enough. You're neither. <laughs> like you're, that's not who the thoughts aren't real. And so uh, it does help to extent to get you in a more positive state. But it's it is. A false sense of reality still yeah that we're, we're, we identify with our thoughts when we think positive we're good or good or something like that yeah and then the third uh, kind of element that they talk about is uh, meta awareness mm. or metacognition mm. um, it's the the mind's ability to think about itself mm. like what am i thinking about what am i thinking what am i feeling well, thinking about thinking <laughs> yes it's it's that my the mind's ability to observe itself and we don't use it enough because we're always so focused on the external mm. and we're also kind of wrapped up in our thoughts most of the time yeah. just rem ruminating on and ideas <laughs> and, and believing that our thoughts are, are yeah, real yeah. or true and we're just caught up in the world and our thinking and we're hypnotized, <laughs> basically. Yeah. So metacognition is really the basis, or meta-awareness is the basis of that uh, mindset mm. that people talk about. But often they don't explain um, what is going on psychologically or, or how do I get to that meta-consciousness. So that, that's one of the practices that we've been working with uh, our coaches or training our coaches on. Can I add one more thing to that? Um, the, the idea that this is something that you made me aware of, which I didn't know as a hypnotherapist and the training I got, about the conscious mind, like we just kind of lump the conscious mind together, but actually mm. the conscious mind has two, spe uh, two aspects. There's the ego, which is the thinking mind, that kind of storyteller, narrator, and then there's also this divine intelligence, which is the witness. So we have access to our divine nature in every moment. It's just that the thoughts just cover it over and just make all that noise. Just like the clouds and the sun is still there, but the clouds are kind of covering and the storm is covering it, the storm of our mind. And uh, meta-awareness is a way for us to kind of connect with that awareness of our thoughts and give a little space so we could start to see, wait a minute, I'm not my thoughts. This is who I really am. And um, that's what I love about this kind of concept of the dual conscious. We have access to our deeper selves in every moment. It's not, we don't have to go off to a mountain. We don't have to go to a deep state of meditation. We can actually just shift uh, and be aware of our thinking and we're, we're there already in a, in a different state. Yeah, what about the question about techniques versus um, methods? Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of overlap between hypnosis, visualization, mm -hmm. and meditation. Well, like I said, hypnosis is really guided visualization. It really, it, but the hypnosis, the term means altered state. So it's not in itself. It's just a state of mind. You're in hypnosis. You're in the hypnotic state. But the technique itself can be used in many different ways. So like hypno like uh, the hypnotic state, like I said, you're with a doctor. He says you have six months to live or you're, mm -hmm. you're going to get better. You're in that. He, he's not intentionally hypnotizing you, but it's that hypnotic state that we're in. Visualization is a technique. Um, meditation is a technique that is using that altered state to manage the mind. And the thing is... We can think positive. We could learn to, you know, train our mind to visualize. But we really need to understand the discipline of how we focus that mind uh, in everyday life. And then also as a coach, we train our coaches to how to hold their mind uh, with their clients and what they're projecting onto the clients and how to really help someone in a deeper way. And finally, uh, how do we use these uh techniques in in Jungian coaching mm. so well I want to talk too about Jung and uh, you know Freud used hypnosis and created the talking the talking cure which is actually just talking to someone um, Erickson uh, used the story uh, the power of story 
So someone would come into his office, and I think it was this. There's two Ericsons. I can't remember which one it is. But he would tell the client a story, and it had nothing to do with anything, but then the client would feel better. And it was just kind of a metaphor. So metaphors can be used. But uh, Jung uh, came up with active imagination, which is when we can open, for the first stage is you open up the mind to, um, to that relaxed state where you can welcome in the unconscious. And then the second state is interacting mm. with the symbols and in a creative way with not a, I'm going to take this symbol and make it something. I'm going to like, like kind of explore and, and let the unconscious show you, like a deeper wisdom of the unconscious show you how to work with it. So that's one of the things that we teach in our coach training is how to use active imagination. And we use that, um, we can use that with emotions, the emotions that arise. We can use it with dreams, symbols and dreams. And then we can also use it as, um, you know, just that guided, uh, there's a guided visualization too that would be just going ahead and using that state of uh, altered state to create something new in our life. But Mm -hmm. the active imagination is also a different way of using visualization. Yeah, Jung was um, quite a visualizer. Mm -hmm. If you read uh, his uh, red book, Mm. uh, uh, it's like he was in a, continual hallucination mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, thank god he did that work because he he was exploring basically the power of the the psyche mm-hmm. to generate all of these images and mm-hmm. stories from within very powerful stuff and so how do you see us wor- the young and coaches working with visualization and this hypnotic state it, it, anytime you're working with uh, the mind, uh, you have to first understand what is the nature of the mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and our approach has been to consider, well, what does the Eastern wisdom tradition say about the mm-hmm. mind? Because they, they're, they're a lot more sophisticated in their um, formulation of what is consciousness compared to thinking, feeling, and acting. Uh, whereas in the West, we've kind of medicalized everything and it's, mm. it's turned into, uh, you know, the the brain is seen almost like an information processing mm. uh, computer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the idea is to, well, let's reprogram it. It'll yeah. change its functions this way and that way. So we, I think we need both. We need both understandings because we do want to take advantage of the scientific information and the research that's coming out about the, the brain and, and the nervous system and social uh, neuroscience like we were talking about. Uh, but the Eastern philosophy really gives us deeper, a deeper perspective on what is the nature of the mind and what is the nature of the reality that we're working with. So really you're saying that um, the, the reprogramming aspect is, is effective for functioning uh, in the world and making a functioning ego, but we're not the ego. So the Eastern brings in that, well, you know, because I think a lot, I I know for me, I felt like I was always working on that ego level Mm. and I really wasn't free because I hadn't worked with my shadow yet. And so there's a lot, building up that persona and making it more shiny and more positive and thinking positive is, is a nice step it's better than just being wallowing in negativity, but there's it's a, it's a really good beginning for people. But that that's just the beginning. I mean, now that you you're you kind of have the confidence in yourself, then you can actually have the strength to face your shadow, which is all the things that you don't know that your mind is thinking. Because I think a lot of it was, um, especially hypnosis, a lot of it was things you already knew. Like you're hearing your thoughts, and you're like, I want to change those thoughts. But you're not really going into what is it unconsciously that I'm not right, or or who is the who is a thinker of yes, these thoughts? Yes, yes. So it's kind of it's the next step of evolution, and so a lot of people stay stuck in that I'm just going to change my thoughts and my thinking, and it's uh, without going well, who am I, <laughs> and uh, what's deeper in the unconscious besides just the personal unconscious, and a lot of hypnotherapy is really based on that personal unconscious level and they don't really go into the shadow or the deeper states of the collective yeah that's a good point Uh, um, these techniques or or methods in themselves um, 
they're only as good as the context of mm. the bigger philosophy, the bigger theory that uh, the, the, the coach or the therapist is using. Um, because, yeah, you can use uh, hypnosis for stage uh, hip yeah. hypnosis uh, entertainment, let's say. Well, and I or you can use it to, to really help transform your mind mm -hmm. and go much deeper into the, into the unconscious mind. And what I love is some of the tools we teach our coaches is just how to create states, how to use what we know mm -hmm. about the mind and, and the conditioning aspect of the mind, which is we can use it to our benefit, but, but we can't just solely depend on that part. But for instance, we teach them how to like get into a state before they do a video or before they go into a, hit, uh, a coaching session. We teach them some tools to anchor in feelings and emotions and then also tools to manage the mind throughout the day. Um, those things are very valuable to teach to your clients that are, are great and they're valuable and they work. But then we also want to add on to who are we becoming beyond that ego. So I think these techniques are awesome. But we also have to remember that we're not our ego, that we're, we're more than that. So um, they really do support. Uh, like we need a strong ego to face the shadow. If we have a kind of a weak, uh, insecure ego, it's really hard to be, have, this, have the, the, I'd say the balls to go and face the, the courage to face the, you know, these parts of ourself and really grow ourselves. So I think there's always room for this type of work for beginners to, if you're feeling really insecure and, and you're just kind of need a little kind of feeling like, okay, mm -hmm. with yourself, and then you can go to the next level. Yeah. Uh, the Buddha himself said, the undisciplined mind will hurt you more than your worst enemy. Mm -hmm. uh, and the contrary also. Mm. A well-trained mind, meaning your ability to work with your mind, will help you more than any, anything in the world, more than anyone in the world. So here's uh, a question, some questions. Oh, cool. Uh, another misconception of hypnosis is you can lose control as a subject. Yes, uh, but actually, we are when we're in uh, that hypnotic state and we're sucked into. We it's not that we lose control, but we can um, not be aware of <laughs> how other influences are controlling us. Somebody's saying hello from England. Yes. All right. How would you approach working with this someone on diagnosed with autoimmune disease? Uh, love your talks. Well, here's the thing. There's two steps to working with the medical uh, medical conditions. One step is you can actually reverse symptoms, which is mm. the medical model where, okay, instead of giving, the, giving them medicine, you can give them suggestions like your blood pressures a certain way and your body's healing and all those, which is great. But the deeper level is actually doing the shadow work. And you can't really, as a coach, know exactly what is the cause of the autoimmune disease. There's a deeper unconscious cause, and you can't like analyze it directly. You have to work with the client doing the shadow work. And a lot of our clients, some of our clients have had autoimmune disease, and we didn't work with them directly on that symptom or, or that condition. We just did the shadow work on them, and their symptoms went away. So mm. I think it, it's very powerful because it's really something, any kind of physical there's a psychological component to it. So if we can get to the psychological component, but initially, if you want to work on just the symptom, you know, you can visualize that symptom reversed and that would be a great way to start. But I would encourage anyone who has that to do the shadow work individuation that's going to give them um, so much more than just the relief of symptoms are going to actually, it, 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 it kind of takes care of itself. Uh, people, we've had people who had... Um, overeating uh obsessive eating um uh you know they lost weight just from doing shadow work um it's all this stored emotion that we haven't dealt with that we push away and that we're creating a persona to hold up and that's why shadow work is so powerful yeah i mean the whole ethos of uh the mind body approach is that uh, we're not dealing with these separate elements that the mind is not really separate from the body it operates in harmony, or mm. they both operate in harmony with each other. Uh, it's one thing to become aware and understand your thoughts and beliefs, but if one truly does not believe subconsciously they are worthy, then the, how can they embody it? 
That's a great question. Um, we have a lot of people. Uh, and so here's the thing. What we teach in our method is the Eastern method, which is you're not your ego. So there's no need to be worthy because it's the ego. It, it's just the ego isn't even real. So this I am worthy is, it, you know, I said it's a really good first step for someone to build up their ego. But uh, what frees people is that to realize that they're not the ego. So it's a spiritual solution, not a, a, a mindset thinking solution or even a belief um, this idea, I believe I'm worthy, is uh, where, what does that mean? And, and so we help have our clients understand uh, breaking apart that idea of worthy and unworthy, neither of them are even real. How would you? Yeah, I mean, the, we want to think of the ego more as a function of the mind. Mm. Uh, of course, we have an ego and of course we experience it. And, and, and it is an important part of our, of the way we, we exist in the world, but its nature is that it's more of a function mm. of survival. It helps us survive. It helps us navigate the world. But it, in the in its ultimate reality, it is not an absolute. Yeah. It is not giving us uh, like an absolute sense of who we really are. That so we're not the thinker. We're the witness. Yes, that that uh, true self as Jung would say, and, and Eastern philosophy says, is the, the pure awareness that exists, that is able to observe that function in all its facets. And I would think that uh, someone who does, I, I had the unworthiness for ever. That's why I did personal development. But I find that I kept thinking that if I just believed I was worthy, then I'd have people love me, and then I'd have good things happen in my life. Mm. And I was basically just thinking, if I built up my ego enough, I'll get the goodies in life. And that's kind of a misperception. So it was actually a gift that I didn't feel worthy, because it made me ask the deeper question of, if I still don't feel worthy, then what? who am I? And, and that's a really beautiful uh process to take someone through is to find out who they really are uh i think the the crime would be someone who thinks they're worthy and identifies so much with their ego and what they have in their life they have a great relationship and they have money and they have fame and and they think that's what makes them worthy i would rather be the person who's questioning their own worth and, and asking deeper questions about why don't i feel like that i remember someone said like why don't you feel worthy like what what is it why do you hate yourself so much and i had to ask and try to answer that question and that's what led me to the deeper deeper knowledge and the higher knowledge of that i'm not my body i'm not this ego i'm not my thoughts i'm i'm divine i have this divine nature and so um so anything that comes up that feels like we're struggling with is actually there because there's a deeper part of us that knows better that's trying to get our attention don't you think? That's a good way to, to frame it. Thank you for answering. Right. And Milton Erickson is the one. He's more of the hypnotherapist. He's not the Erickson that you talk about. No, no. The, uh, the other Erickson uh, is, I think it's Eric Erickson. Yeah, is, Eric Erickson. Uh, developmental psychologist. Yeah, so much yeah. different people. Like Milton is more new age and hypnosis and, you know, that kind of thing. Like he, he, I think he was a no, he did a lot of work in medical hypnosis. Oh, he did? Okay. Yeah, so really brought the, the science of hypnosis along for and many years. And then Eric years. Erickson did? He worked more on developmental stages in life. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 And uh, yeah, the developmental stages. So he didn't do the hypnosis. It's Milton Erickson. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. There's two Ericksons, so I got confused for a minute. Uh, yeah, great questions. And um, yeah, I hope we answered a lot of your questions about this state and um, about hypnosis. And I love talking about it. It reminds me of my old days. And I do love the techniques, but it's like not complete. It's like a part of the picture. Um, it's a great tool to use with clients. It helps them, you know, kind of play with their mind and see how powerful it is. Uh, a lot of people that I've worked with, uh, you know, came to me to quit smoking or lose weight. And it transformed their life just understanding how their mind works. Uh, they were like, wow, this is really powerful. Uh, some people have, uh, how many people did I send to my hypnotherapy school? And then we started our own coaching school where we teach these things. But yeah. I remember I told Rob, I was like, I wish we would have done this 20 years ago because I was 
uh, people are always saying, I want to learn what you know. So, And then there's a lot of variations, right? Like the, the tapping. And oh, all that's that stuff. not hypnosis. No, but it's, it's kind of a variation on it. No. No? I mean, aren't they trying to relax the body? Yeah, or? yeah, kind of. But uh, it's it. But they've done research, and it actually only does puts people in a relaxed state, and you're still kind of identifying, like you're you're. It's like you're not really working on the unconscious. You're working on things that you know you're conscious of. So, I feel like it suppresses, um, suppresses emotions versus actually resolving it. Just like aspirin, if you have a brain tumor and you're taking aspirin, it's not going. It's it's going to maybe make you feel better temporarily, but it's not addressing the big problem. And I, I always tell people the only problem you have is that you believe you're the ego. That's the only problem where we're, any kind of suffering we have in our life, any dissatisfaction we have in our life, we believe we're the ego. Hmm. And so while, these, while hypnosis or the, ter- the things I use to build up the ego are great, but you're still an ego, we need to do the Jungian aspect, the Jungian coaching, which takes them into the shadow and moving beyond the ego. And that's the difference between... What we do and what other um, self-help, per- personal development in that state. Like I said, there's nothing wrong with the first one. We just take it to the next stage of your life. Is Now yeah. it's time to let go of the ego and, and see even more unlimited potential that you have. Yeah. So all these uh, the, uh, variations on the theme, mm. they're still part of psychodynamic models, mm. meaning they're seeing the mind as an active, fluid, uh, structure or or a function that uh, there's different energies and uh, different uh, elements in the psyche jostling for mm-hmm. power and for dominance. Mm-hmm. Um, next, we'll go into behaviorism or cognitive behaviorism. I think we're doing cognitive behavior next next week. So yeah, so we'll go more into the formal psychological kind of uh, models that. Um, very very popular a lot mm. of uh, therapists train in cognitive behavioral models and there's a lot of coaches now that use cbc cognitive yeah. behavioral coaching mm-hmm. uh, very powerful techniques uh, that are uh, they're kind of used to uh, problem solve mm-hmm. and, and information processing information processing but also to to kind of observe the mind and correct the 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 errors that we make in thinking Mm -hmm. yeah so um yeah i love this topic today it was really fun to talk about my hypnosis and i do love that i mean i use it all the time if i have pain in my body or um working with clients to anchor in states and uh, help them with visualizations and there's nothing wrong with making suggestions i mean those are really you're basically using the mind's uh uh ability to condition itself and recondition Mm -hmm. itself but we also have to approach it in this is not the end of the road like we can it it can help us to a certain extent but we also have to see that we're not just the mind we are not just the ego we are this other bigger the self self. yes (laughs) so thank you for joining us today happy saturday stay safe um and stay positive (laughs) and um Pay attention to your mind. Watch how it fluctuates throughout the day. Watch how you get sucked into things. Um, Facebook and social media, uh, YouTube, you can get really entranced <laughs> in videos and, and you can watch your you, hours will go by and you lose that, that kind of time, mm. uh, sense of time. And that's, you know, you're in that hypnotic state. So just watch what you're paying attention to. Are you sucked into the news all the time? Are you watching things that are negative? Um, You know, we sometimes worry about watching like scary movies and things like we need to cleanse our palate after a scary movie because it's just kind of, it gets into your psyche. So we have to, um, you know, uh, Ashley Pema Chodron said, we, if we went into a crowd and we would, we would put, and, and it was dangerous, we would put armor on to protect ourselves physically, but we never think to protect our mind when we go into places. Mm. So it's not to protect to scare us, but to be aware and to be aware of where am I placing my mind? Who, who am I surrounding myself with? Yeah. Am I in a supportive community? Am I putting uh, my, the environment I'm in? Is it positive? Uh, even the physical environment can be very, um, if you're mess, everything's messy all the time in your house, a state of mind messy. So... 
Absolutely. Everything's a reflection. So thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. Thank you for the comments. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for watching. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us. And don't forget to subscribe to Creative Minds Soul Sessions. And join us next week as we explore another deep topic where you can consciously create your life with Creative Mind Soul Sessions. See you next time.